0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. This is Sportbox and here are your headlines. The... Deal is done, we have a deal. The White House and US senators finally reach an agreement on the Trump administration's massive economic rescue bill, unlocking $2 trillion worth of funds.
1: After five days of arduous negotiations, after sleep deprived nights, and marathon negotiating sessions, we have a bipartisan agreement on the largest rescue package in American history.
0: That news driving Asian stocks further into the green after the Dow stages a massive rebound marking its best day since 1933 in anticipation of that congressional deal.
2: India enters a nationwide lockdown after Prime Minister Narendra Modi orders the 1.3 billion population to stay home for 21 days to stop the spread of coronavirus.
0: To save India and every Indian citizen, save you and your
3: family, a complete ban is being implemented on any movement of people outside their homes, starting at midnight tonight.
2: Japan bows to pressure and finally postpones the Olympics until 2021. Prime Minister Abe evokes the spirit of the games and says there will be proof of the world's victory against the virus.
3: And thousands of retired medical staff say they will return to the National Health Service as the UK announces it will build a brand new emergency hospital amidst the biggest daily rise in coronavirus cases.
0: So let's get you into the details of this. The Trump administration and U.S. senators have reached a deal on a big coronavirus relief package worth almost $2 trillion. Republicans and Democrats have spent days arguing over how the funds should be handed out to workers and businesses to help cushion the blow from the virus. The vote in the Senate has just concluded the deal will now need to be passed by the U.S. House. Speaking within the last 15 minutes, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and Majority Leader Mitch McConnell both welcomed the deal.
4: It will rush financial assistance to Americans through direct checks to households from the middle class on down and through a significant and creative expansion of
1: unemployment insurance during this emergency. This is not a moment of celebration, but one of necessity. We have the anguish of the American people wondering about the future of their health, the health of their loved ones, and the economy necessitates us to do all we can to help them and help our country.
0: We're well, speaking to CNBC ahead of the agreement. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi boosted market sentiment when she already sounded uh, a more optimistic, uh, optimistic tone on reaching that deal.
4: Uh, the Senate bill, the Senate Democrats have done a great job of taking the bill from a place was trickled down for workers. It was about uh, corporate America. We're about the workers. Uh, because this is where the economy thrives, where people have confidence in having an income, having a paycheck, and then willing to spend as in a consumer economy. We believe that this is uh, not only good for the workers, the right thing for the country, but also good for the
2: economy.
0: So Nancy Pelosi speaking there about this congressional deal. Let's just show you what the futures are telling us, because we will walk you through this huge jump that we had in the US markets overnight. Right now, we are indicated on the futures to carry forward some of the gain here. But I have to tell you, uh, since I've been in the office, what, uh, a couple of hours, um, we have seen the futures numbers whipsaw a lot here. And we have pulled away from some of the larger gains that we saw but we'll keep an eye on this Uh, plenty of water to pass under the bridge before we actually get to the point where we know where the futures are going to take us and what the market is actually going to do when it opens. So let's go back to the uh, the trade that we've seen here. The Dow has posted its best day since 1933. It rose more than 11% as US senators neared a deal on the stimulus bill. It was the largest point gain for the Dow ever climbing off its lowest level since 2016. But the Dow remains on pace, regardless of that gain, for the worst month in more than three decades. And here, since 1987, we haven't seen anything quite like this for the Dow. So we got the rebound from those lows, best day since 1933, 113 Uh, 7% gain. So what did that look like in real numbers if we translate that to the boards? Well that only just takes us back over this key 20,000 level and as you can see it was a 2,000 plus point gain but we are just sitting at 20,704 here. The S&P 2004 uh, we had gains of about 9%. And the NASDAQ, which has seen so much of the action re- recently as investors uh, scrabble over the question of whether it will be uh, the winners last time round that will take us higher again. The NASDAQ uh, only up just a little over 8% at this point. So what about the big gainers? Who were the winners and the losers in the session? Well, oil major Chevron helped drive the Dow higher. American Express, Boeing, and American Airlines all saw big rallies. A slew of different reasons to exactly what drove uh, a number of these stocks higher. For, for example, Boeing. The president saying we will not let Boeing go out of business that providing some support for Boeing, giving the impression that there would be state support. American Express has continued to be something of a beneficiary from the fact that consumer transactions continue to take place online in many cases where retail stores are not open. Asian markets, Uh, what's the legacy like coming into the uh, European session then? Well, they caught a bid, inevitably, from what we saw in the United States and this expectation that ultimately we would see both the Democrats and the Republicans finally sit down, put heads together and make sure that they got this support package over the line here. So big jump from the Nikkei 225, up 8% there. There's probably a little bit of um, Olympic-related spend built into that, but we can talk about that. Uh, We've got a guest coming up in just a moment who's going to give us um, some answers on what happens next with the Olympics and with the Asian markets. Um, The Chinese markets, well, we're up 2% here, but again, mixed messages. We do see the reopening of... Of Wuhan and Hubei province, but we did get another case there, a domestic case rather than returnees, uh, a domestic case of infection. Um, so the opening calls for Europe, what does this all boil down to if we um, turn the wheels on the old slot machine here? Um, the FTSE indicated up uh, 66 points at this point. Um, other markets faring uh, less or better in terms of the uh, the futures expectations here. The Italian. Market market though uh, still uh, a struggle here to get to grips with what the real story in Italy is at this point. Yesterday marked uh, the anniversary of the fortnight of the lockdown here and yet Italy still continues to register strong cases of infection and unfortunately of death. So that is a quick snapshot of what's going on, read the markets as we uh, um, continue to keep you up to date with the impact of the coronavirus on investor sentiment. Juliana.
2: Thank you very much, Jeff. Well, obviously this deal taking uh, the center stage, taking the spotlight this morning and U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin has weighed in saying that President Trump will absolutely sign the coronavirus stimulus bill if it is passed by both the Senate and the House. So some crucial uh, comments there from uh, Steven Mnuchin as President Trump will need to sign off this deal.
0: Uh, let's bring in Holger Schmiding. Thank you, Julianne. Nice to have you back as well. You've been away from the office for a while.
2: Yes, I've been doing some, uh, some work online, some virus reporting, but very pleased to be back in the studio. How's that working
0: from home going for you?
2: I what? I wasn't as productive as I hoped I would be, but yeah. uh, I, I was definitely grateful to have the, uh, the, you know, the uh, ability Did you to work learn a home. language,
0: Serbo-Croat, a bit of Italian, anything <laughs> like that? No? The,
2: the list of uh, ambitions of mine has grown, but I oh. would say I haven't quite learned a language yet.
0: Right, okay. Well, All, all good stuff. Um, let's bring in Holger Schmidting. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Holger is uh, chief economist at Berenberg Uh, Steve joins us as well for the conversation outside St Thomas's Hospital here in London Um, Holger let's get to you first obviously the the big news item that we need to get your view on is now the passage of this package by Congress obviously there's still a little bit more uh, hurdle to go here it needs to be signed off ultimately by both houses But this is a very positive sign and the markets have reacted strongly on this. Is it enough, in your opinion, to stabilize these markets and economies?
4: Um, It probably is enough to stabilize the economies and markets a little down the road. Whether this is now enough to say we already have seen the turning point for good in markets, that is a bit premature because we will at least for, say, a few weeks have to contend with the situation where probably the virus pandemic, the situation in the U.S., and quite likely the lockdowns in the U.S. and Europe will get worse. So we are in this zone where we see clear evidence, policymakers, monetary and now in the U.S., even fiscal, are doing whatever it takes However, the actual situation on the ground, the health emergency, will probably take a while to get sort of eased a bit. So, my take on this is we are preparing the grounds for a clear rebound in markets and economies, but we may only really see this rebound once we have more clarity about the health situation.
0: And that's the challenge, isn't it? Because this is first and foremost a health care crisis at this point. But it will have uh, longer term effects on consumption patterns. Yeah. You obviously will be doing some work here on how quickly we might see a return to previous levels of growth. What do you see
4: My guess is that we, first of all, should not think about previous levels of growth. We should be thinking, first of all, about the previous level of activity of GDP. And there, my guess is, after huge losses now, especially late first quarter, And the second quarter, it will take probably a bit less than two years to get back to where we were in terms of the level of activity at the end of last year. If we are lucky, it will take less than two years, but we have to think about roughly that time frame. Thereafter, we will likely still have a period of catch-up growth. So late next year into 2022, we could see growth with some catch-up effect being above the previous trend rate before we then settle back over the course of 2022 to uh, into the old trend rate of growth. So, we will be seeing a significant catch-up effect, but it will take probably almost two years to offset the losses that we now incur due to the pandemic and the lockdown reaction to it.
3: Uh, Holger, uh, I make no apologies and good morning to you, my friend. Uh, I make no apologies for taking a real healthcare look at everything we're doing rather than an economics and a markets uh, outlook today, given my location and what I'm covering. Uh, but we talked about monetary stimulus we're now of course hoping for a huge fiscal stimulus but actually could the real stimulus in the short to medium term actually come from science and from testing because if widespread antibody tests can serological tests can be rolled out and we can work out if there is a degree of immunity from large parts of the population as well that part of the population can get back to work and the economy can get back on track is it possible that in addition to the fiscal and the monetary stimulus actually the 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 stimulus from a successful antibody testing. That could be the real game changer, as Boris Johnson hopes.
4: Um, Yes, indeed. My take is, and that's the take from the very beginning, we will need some progress, some good news from the medical side for markets and economies to turn around for good. What Economic policy is doing is twofold. First of all, economic policy is easing the downturn, for instance, by limiting the number of bankruptcies and dismissals, That's very, very useful. And economic policy, secondly, is making sure that once we have more clarity about the medical situation, how it will play out, once we get some good news from the medical side, that then the rebound will be significant, strong and fairly fast. But indeed, as you said, The real turning point will have to come from the medical situation. This is a health emergency and economic policy, even if it's very strong, plays the secondary role in all of this.
2: Holger, I've seen some pretty staggering estimates when it comes to the jobless claims numbers expected out of the U.S. Morgan Stanley looking for 3.4 million, a record number of jobless claims. Looking over here in Europe, do you think the assurances provided by the European governments, the U.K. government, will contain the unemployment spread in Europe? Do you think that it will be less of an issue here?
4: it will be significantly less of an issue on the European average, not necessarily in individual countries. We'll have to see how it works in the UK, where these schemes are historically not so widespread, to put it mildly, as on the continent. What we are likely to see, for instance, in core Europe, where in Germany especially, such schemes of supporting underemployment or unemployment on the job that is without dismissals are common and widespread. What we will see there and are seeing there is a huge surge, but not in the number of unemployed, that's more modest, but in the number of people receiving these benefits for underemployment on the job. This is going to be the German equivalent, underemployment on the job, but not being dismissed of the surge in U.S. jobless claims. So it shows up differently in Europe and it shows up in a way which socially is less disruptive because fewer people are actually fired. And it shows up in a way in Europe which in terms of the economic impact is less negative because if you're underemployed on the job rather than having been fired, you are likely to still have a little more positive outlook onto your economic future as a consumer than if you had been fired.
0: Holger, just very briefly, you're one of the professionals out there who's been urging the Germans and the EU to focus on the idea of Corona bonds potentially issued through the mechanism of the ESM. Up to this point, the German government has said, no, this is not a starter. Is that a mistake?
4: Yes, I think that is a mistake. Now is a time to do something unusual. We have a unique situation where the unique instrument of Corona bonds for a limited period of time would make a lot of sense. Trying as Europe is now doing to react to this unique situation with an instrument that was uh, created for something different, the European stability mechanism. It will sort of work, but it doesn't send the right political message of unlimited or virtually unlimited solidarity. Economically, the route being chosen in Brussels will work, but politically, I would have hoped for a stronger signal. Holger,
0: we're going to wrap with you. Thanks very much for your time this morning, Holger Schmeeding, the chief economist at Berenberg. Uh, as we focus on things economic, let's just flag up for you: we've got an insight into central bank thinking during a crisis. Later today, former Fed Chair Ben Bernanke. We'll speak to our U.S. colleagues. That interview coming up at 13.45 CET. Still to come here on Squawk Box, India's Prime Minister imposes a lockdown, ordering one of the world's biggest populations to stay home. We're going to discuss the moves after the break.
2: And for the latest updates on coronavirus and analysis on the situation from top newsmakers, you can download the Squawk Box podcast. Head to cnbc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and download today's episode.
3: If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out The Brave Ones podcast.
2: Welcome back to Squawk Box. Uh, Credit Suisse just out with their annual report. Let me bring you the highlights from this update from Credit Suisse. Chairman. The, the chairman of Credit Suisse, who's been under a huge amount of pressure uh, and a lot of investors questioning whether it's time for him to step down, he will step down uh, as of the 2021 annual meeting. The search for his successor is on. Uh, so Roner will be stepping down, but not until the 2021 annual meeting. A couple other highlights from the Annual report to the Credit Suisse group bonus pool fell by 1% in the year to 3.168 billion Swiss francs. Tijan the uh, former CEO, his total compensation package was 10.7 million Swiss francs, down from 12.6 in the year previous. In terms of the outlook and, and what we can expect moving forward, Credit Suisse CEO has said that in view of Brexit, trade tensions and the coronavirus crisis, I have become very cautious about issuing forecasts. So really echoing, of course, what we've heard from a number of CEOs and understandable given the situation. So those are the highlights from the Credit Suisse annual report. Yeah, and
0: I think very interesting that they say Q1 profitability so far continues strong improvement trend. Uh, it's part of that big conversation we keep having around the desk is volatility good or bad for wealth managers, investment banks and domestic banks? But anyway, we'll save that for another day. Uh, Juliana, thank you. Uh, So, researchers at the University of Oxford believe that uh, as much as half the UK population may have already been infected by coronavirus far more than previous estimates the number of UK deaths meanwhile is now at 422 more than 8,000 are infected Steve joins us live from St Thomas's Hospital in London with more on that and Steve that Oxford University research would be astounding if it actually turns out to be true
3: yeah, it's it's amazing the amount of research all of us mere mortals are trying to understand because let's face it, none of us have that kind of background. But the Oxford University research, the Cambridge University research, the Imperial research, uh, the last of those, of course, talking about projections. If we hadn't have changed course with policy, of up to two hundred fifty thousand deaths in the UK. The Cambridge University research is fascinating as well and very worrying, talking about uh, potentially if the number of cases in the UK continue to rise at the same pace they did in Italy, then within a fortnight we. We will not have enough IC beds in the country as well uh, in five out of seven of the key trusts as well. But um, there are some worrying signs at the moment as well that there's just not enough testing going on as well. 5,605 tests were carried out on Monday. Uh, There is capacity for a lot more, but they just don't have enough trained staff, I'm told as well. But they're trying to get to 10,000 by the end of the week and then eventually up to 25,000 tests uh, on a, a daily basis. So that could be a game changer, but real concerns about the protective equipment that's getting to the healthcare professionals, GPs throughout the country uh, conducted a poll, uh, and they were very disappointed in the amount of support they've got from government. But, and there is a, a but here as well. Things hopefully are on the move, and actually, this is. Am- and I'm going to just show you St. Thomas's, which one of the great teaching hospitals of the world, of the planet, not only this country. Guys in St. Thomas's, I think every Londoner knows what amazing work these hospitals do as well. Well, yesterday. Not only did you have the paramedics, normally you have the ambulances queued up at the front here as well, but you also saw the extraordinary sight uh, of 101 Logistics Brigade, uh, the army uh, delivering huge numbers of protective pieces of equipment, thousands of pieces of equipment, which will then be distributed uh, to other hospitals and facilities around the country. So the army very much getting involved uh, in the situation. Also, potentially, the Royal Engineers getting involved in what will be this extraordinary new hospital being built at the Excel Centre. Now we've all covered conferences down there. Uh, In fact, I covered back in 2009, of course, the London conference where a trillion dollars was offered to the world economy to save us from the great financial crisis. Well, well, Matt Hancock, the uh, health secretary yesterday, talking about this new super hospital. Let's listen in.
5: We will next week open a new hospital, a temporary hospital, the NHS Nightingale Hospital at the Excel Centre in London. The NHS Nightingale Hospital will comprise two wards, each of 2,000 people. With the help of the military and with NHS clinicians, we will make sure that we have the capacity that we need so that everyone can get the support they need.
3: And just to add, Matt Hancock looking for 250,000 NHS volunteers to help the back up the amazing work that all the doctors, nurses and the rest of the healthcare system are doing. 11,788 ex-medics have already responded to the call. Uh, and also, we've got uh, 18,700 final year student nurses, 5,500 final year medics as well, also responding to that call and being pushed into a support position as well. But something that could be very exciting, and I, and I alluded to this uh, with Holger Schmieding earlier on, is this test. Now... Uh, the UK government has purchased 3.5 million antibody tests. And if these can be rolled out and uh, they are accurate, then this could be a game changer and the bridge between the pandemic crisis and the economic crisis unfolding. Because if these serological tests work, and if my understanding is correct, they could tell what degree of antibody, what degree of immunity uh, the population has. And that tallies into your introduction, Jeff, that talks about the number of people in the population who could have it already uh, and didn't even know it as well and who could potentially go back to work without long periods of incubation as well. So let's listen in again to the Health Secretary on this very important intervention.
5: Of course, it really matters for getting people back to work. So we've now bought three and a half million antibody tests that will allow people to see whether they have had the virus and are immune to it and then can get back to work. And you might have seen in the, in the Commons earlier, I was sat next to Nadine Dorries because she now has had a uh, coronavirus, and she can, um, and and she is for the time being uh, immune to it because we expect the uh, people not to be able to catch it, except in very exceptional circumstances, uh, for a second time.
3: So to sum up, look, there is a horrendous increase in the death toll across Europe, and also, as you mentioned, uh, an extra eighty-seven deaths to four hundred and twenty-two in the UK yesterday. The biggest daily increase yet. There are concerns about the ICU. There are concerns about the enormous shifts that the healthcare professionals are working. I spoke to a paramedic this morning at the traffic lights. He said, I'm knackered, which is a proverbial for I'm very, very tired if our uh, international viewers don't quite get that one. Well, they're working ridiculously long shifts. They're doing amazing work. So really big concerns. But but there is a lot more protective equipment getting to them now and a lot of support getting to them potentially, new hospitals. And if these tests can be successful, then maybe, maybe down the line, there'll be a game changer.
2: Back to you all. Steve, thank you so much, especially for that translation for those of us non-UK natives. But in all seriousness thank, you, seriousness, thank you very much for the update.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you
3: can head to cnbc.com.
5: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.